Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent at the AHL Report, and I'm joined every week by the one and only could not do this show without my fabulous co-host, uh, our editor-in-chief and founder at Rocket Sports Media. That would be Rick Stevens. And hey, I have to say, happy Mardi Gras. Happy Fat Tuesday. Well, and to you too. What what is it? What is it that you call it in in uh, Pennsylvania or Pennsylvania uh, well, Dutch land? Yeah, Pennsylvania Dutch land. Well, yes. In this yeah. in this part <laughs> Sorry, of Pennsylvania, in this part that... of <laughs> Pennsylvania Deutsche land. Uh, in this part of Pennsylvania, and actually, we have a special guest uh, who's going to join us in the first segment today. And since he is not far up the highway from me up in Wilkesbury, I bet uh, I bet he'll know the answer to your question as well. But here in the Pennsylvania Dutch tradition in eastern and southeastern Pennsylvania, we call it Faschnacht Day. It's a German German word, Faschnacht, and it just basically means donut day. <laughs> it just means go eat donuts. But Faschnachts, Pennsylvania Dutch Faschnachts are are kind of like a sweet yeasty dough donut um, that are just fried and you can either have a so it's it's like delicious sweet yeasty fried dough it's it's delicious and you can either have them plain uh, or with like um, sugar sprinkled on them or powdered sugar Um, and you can probably eat like a dozen or two all by yourself at a time which you should do on fat tuesday so well, no, no disrespect, <laughs> but really? uh, it, it's also Punchki Day. Um, Punchki Day. And for, for those areas of, of uh, both, both countries, the, Canada and uh, the U.S. with large Polish uh, populations, they'll know all about Punchkis, that um, they are a Polish pastry with kind of a sweet filling in it and um, a nice raspberry jam or something like that. Uh, Apricot is also popular and they are tremendous. It's interesting. We're we're going to have to quiz our guest when he comes on because North, the Northern part of Pennsylvania has a very, um, very condensed Polish population. So it's possible that the folks in Wilkesbury get to celebrate Fashnat and Punchki Day. And then if you're, you know, uh, on the religious side, there's also Shrove Tuesday. So you get pancakes as well. So it could be a heck of a day for, you know, God bless carbohydrates. Which, yeah, (laughs) how you want to participate. Just eat bread any way you can get it. Um, Fabulous. Well, I we've we've kind of teased it enough there. We do have a, a special guest coming up uh, this segment, Mr. Nick Hart, the broadcaster uh, and media coordinator for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, is going to be joining us in this in this episode. And I'm going to bet that if you're a Habs fan or a Laval Rocket fan, you probably can figure out why. So we'll get to uh, that interview in just a little while. But uh, Rick, plenty, you know. I think I think it's appropriate that trade deadline day takes place the day before Fat Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday, Punchki Day, Fashnat Day, because we all need to just eat all of our stress and emotions all day, the day following trade deadline day. And whew, it was 
it was an interesting one for uh, for all parties involved yesterday. <laughs> well, given the number and and the way the way this day has kind of evolved, given the number of tr- of trades that and pretty significant trades uh, that took place prior to um, yesterday's uh, trade deadline, some wondered if you know, there was anything left, it would, if it would be a quiet day and if, you know, TSN would resort to juggling. But fortunately, um, there was, there was a, a good number of deals yesterday and they started um, in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and not only the deals that happened, but the deals that didn't happen, you know, Chris Kreider was probably at the top of the uh, trade deadline board and, um when he was taken off by being signed by the New York Rangers, that kind of all the other pieces kind of then you, you started to see teams go to plan B and, and uh, um, but that, that was resolved quite early. So it gave teams lots of, lots of time to, to sort out their plans. Seven years for Kreider. I mean, whew. that's a, that's a good one. I got to say there was, there was really Seven years for Kreider. I can understand six years for Pajot. For Pajot. I, I, my goodness. <laughs> my goodness. Good for J. Hey, go good for JG Pajot, man. Um, you go get that bread. Go get <laughs> in, 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 in the spirit of the day, go get that bread, go get that money, man. Um, what a deal. Um, so yes, lots of trade deadline talk to talk about. Uh, we're going to quickly review um, how the Flyers and the Phantoms look a little different today now that the dust has settled, um, and then we're going to we're going to dive right into Laval and the Habs, and uh, we're we're actually going to spend only a brief second telling you, uh, you know, recapping what, what happened in the games last week. Really the best way to catch up on the game action is to go to AHLReport.com and, and check out the recaps that myself and, and Chris G have uh, after every one of the games last week. That's the most comprehensive way to, to really learn all of the things that happened in those games. But we will recap those scores and how things look heading into this week. Uh, but we're going to spend the bulk of our Laval talk today talking about uh, the trade deadline, what Mark Bergevin did and did not do, and uh, the state of the Laval Rocket roster right now, which is um, shaky at best. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not going to be an easy uh, couple of weeks coming up here for Joel Bouchard, I don't think. Uh, and then, of course, we are going to welcome our friend Nick Hart from Wilkes-Barre Scranton uh, Penguins to join us to talk a little bit about the trade that took place between the Penguins and the Montreal Canadiens uh, and the, the players that were exchanged in that trade. Uh, so we look forward to bringing him on the show for his first appearance. And then in the second segment, we're going to go around the AHL. We're going to talk about some general AHL news, um, talk about some league suspensions, uh, maybe make note of some other notable moves that happened around the league that have AHL consequences and, and effects uh, for the trade deadline. And then of course, in the, in the final segment, we'll give you a preview of what you can expect from our coverage this week. So it's going to be a really good show today. I just feel it can just feel it. Um, We should start with the Flyers and Phantoms organization. So as I said, um, teams were busy yesterday. Interesting, you know, I, I constantly am commending uh, Chuck Flesher and Alain Vigneault on how they are handling things since since taking the helm of the Flyers. Um, 
And yesterday was just another kind of tip of the hat to that. Um, Bill Meltzer, uh, our friend Bill Meltzer, mentioned that Vigneault said in his presser yesterday that basically the, the core members of the Philadelphia Flyers leadership group came to him yesterday morning or, or Sunday, some sometime close to deadline day, and said, here's what we would like as a leadership group. We feel really good in this dressing room right now. There's a lot of really good chemistry in here. There's a lot of good bonding happening, and we feel that we've got the right pieces of the puzzle. So what we would like is for you to go get a couple of pieces to just really kind of put the finishing touches on the places where we could use a little boost and not give anything up. And to their credit, and I mean, Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vigneault could have said, okay, thanks for that input. We already have a game plan. Um, And maybe this was mostly their game plan as well, but to their credit, they said, we listened to our leadership group and that's essentially what they did. Um, They went out and they didn't give up any personnel off the roster. uh, And they went out and they picked up, uh, two guys, Derek Grant and Nate Thompson from the Montreal Canadiens, um, both of whom are going to play tonight. Uh, Grant's expected to play third line center. Thompson is going to play fourth line center. Um, and apparently leadership group and the team is super pleased with what their GM and head coach did yesterday. Um, and I, I, I think, I think I'd have to agree. I think, I think they did a great job. Um, with that being said, it affects the Phantoms because it means Joel Farabee and Connor Bunneman are sent down to the Phantoms for now. Fletcher said, um, expect Farabee to be in Lehigh Valley for a little while, and that's more his decision than Alan's, um, that he'd like him to get some big minutes and uh, really start to kind of heat things up for himself in the AHL again, um, but expect to see him called back up sometime this season. But there were some key pieces of the Phantoms who are leaving Rick as well, and that's uh, Kyle Criscuolo, who's been a, a quite a spark plug for the Phantoms this year. He gets dealt to Anaheim. Uh, the New York Rangers get some goaltending depth with J.F. Barube coming over. Um, and so Alex Lyon and Kirill Ustamenko are now the goaltending tandem in Lehigh Valley. And then uh, defensive veteran T.J. Brennan is traded to the Blackhawks. Um, so plenty of moves for, for the Phantoms and Flyers, Rick, but I think for the most part, I think all of those things seem to be right on track with what they need to do. Flyers have been playing, um, very well. And, um, but you, you've seen, uh, as we mentioned in, in other podcasts about, uh, the younger players, the prospects uh, coming in and out of the lineup, looking for the one who is going to be able to, um, you know, show something, show some consistency. And, and uh, Elaine Vigneault talked about uh, over the weekend about, you know, having to make lineup adjustments, putting somebody in, slotting someone here, someone there. Because, I mean, that's that's the most um, evident part about being a prospect is is you, you look great in some games and maybe out of place in others. And with with the playoffs coming up, Flyers wanted a bit more consistency and brought in two veterans to um, two players who who can be put in multiple kinds of situations. Nate Thompson, um, you know, in in Montreal was used. 
uh, on the fourth line, um, centered the fourth line throughout the season, um, a bit of a drag defensively and, and offensively, but uh, was used uh, on, on the penalty kill and in, in, in uh, important face-off situations. And he's, he's very good uh, on the face-off. Um, Derek Grant, um, uh, um, you know, I, when I heard his name, I, I, I remember a couple of seasons ago that um, two seasons ago, he was, he came into Montreal and, and the, the moniker attached to him was that he had been in the league four or five years with, four different teams or thereabouts and he hadn't scored mm-hmm. yet. He was up to 92 uh, games and hadn't, hadn't scored a goal. And of course he got his first NHL goal against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, <laughs> of course. Um, but he's, he's both uh, Thompson and Grant are players with size. The mm-hmm. uh, Flyers fans will like that. Um, Grant even was used um, on um, in Anaheim in in uh, on the power play, um, sticking him in in front of the net because because of his size six three two twenty thereabouts, um, and and so he's he's that kind of player that um, probably is is a bit better penalty killer than than Thompson. Um, and, um, and those two veterans will kind of take the places of, uh, those prospects that, um, like I said, and, and should have more consistency, um, as, uh, the, the flyers are headed to the playoffs this season. Absolutely. And I think that's really the key. And, and Fletcher and Vigneault said that this is nothing against Farabee or Bunneman's play so far. They've, they've been they've been good when they needed to be um, now where the team is at, particularly in the standings and, and making that push for the postseason, uh, bring in a couple of pieces who have experience, who have playoff experience. Uh, Nate Thompson's faceoff uh, skills, as you, as you mentioned, are exceptionally important for Philadelphia right now. Um, and so having that kind of stability on the third and fourth line, I think, is exactly what the team needs. I think Nate Thompson's personality is going to be a great fit for Philadelphia. Uh, he was a he was he was actually pretty beloved by fans in Montreal, uh, calling him, you know, he was Uncle Nate in, in Montreal. And they really seemed to love, uh, you know, his his energy and, and his sense of humor. And, and uh, you know, he, of course had some very human moments when, when stories about his personal life came out uh, in, in national media and so forth. And so I think the Philadelphia fans will take to that very well. And I think the phantoms, despite the fact that they are still trying to claw their way out of the bottom of the Atlantic division, um, I think uh, getting a boost by having Bunneman and Farabee back in the lineup is not going to do anything except help them. And it might give them just the spark they need to get things going again. They have uh, two games in sh- uh, at home this week against the Charlotte checkers. And I think that's the perfect uh, opportunity for, for these guys to, to kind of seize on having those two pieces back in their lineup and uh, see if they can start putting some wins together and uh, see what they can do here down the stretch. Uh, I should also mention that Vigneault uh, had an Oscar Lindblom update um, that uh, treatment is allegedly uh, reportedly going pretty well, uh, very well, according to Oscar's doctors. 
um, and that while there is still a long road ahead, uh, his doctors have said that uh, they're pleased with the way treatment is going, and right now they are optimistic. Um, so there still isn't anything definitive about prognosis uh, that's been made public, but great to hear that um, his treatment is going well so far. Uh, if you didn't see it, look around on social media for the video of uh, Oscar was in the building the other uh, last week uh, to watch a game and uh, greeted all the guys in the locker room after they for the game. And it was a, a pretty heartwarming moment to see how, how happy all of his teammates were to see him. So um, good news uh, from the Oscar Lindblom camp. And we hope that he continues to have uh, success with his treatment. So that shifts us over to Montreal and Laval. So we will say uh, Laval had um, three games at home last week. They played the Manitoba Moose twice, uh, and then Toronto, uh, the Marlies, came in on on Saturday afternoon, where we were a week ago. Uh, We were talking about how uh, went 0 for 5 on their road trip, desperately needed they had slipped all the way down to seventh place in the standings in the north division uh it was looking very very bleak uh wednesday night's game the first game against manitoba didn't help things uh they did manage to get a point out of it but they did lose um in in that game um in the shootout but then they went and they put two back-to-back wins together Friday night and Saturday night against uh, Manitoba and Toronto. And so just like that, you know, the the North Division is very tight right now. Um, and so Syracuse is sitting in that coveted fourth-place position with 61 points. Binghamton and Laval are tied for fifth and sixth places, respectively, just three points behind Syracuse. Toronto is just one point in back of them. Uh, So it's very tight in that race for the postseason uh, in the North Division. So those two wins definitely helped Laval, um, gave them some some momentum. Uh, Interestingly, Joel Bouchard, after having Keith Kincaid in net, uh, after sitting in the press box for for three nights um, on the road trip, Keith Kincaid started in that game that they lost in the shootout on Wednesday night, and Kincaid found himself right back in the press box again Friday and Saturday with McNiven playing back up to Caden Primo, who got his first back-to-back starts in less than 24 hours um, and won both of them. So, Rick, they find themselves currently in in that sixth-place position tied with Binghamton, uh, anything can happen at this point. It's it's so tight, and there is still a lot of hockey to play. We've still got, you know, a month and a half of, of hockey to play here. So um, it's a pretty tight race in the North Division. It'll be a big week for them this week, but um, they didn't necessarily, would you say, get a whole lot of help from from Montreal uh, as far as the end of the trade deadline yesterday. No. Uh- we sure didn't, and um, it's we we've heard um, uh, philosophies change uh, by the week. It seems in in Laval, but but the same, you know, um, in Mark Bergevin's presser explaining his his approach to the trade deadline was um, confusing and contradictory itself. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, there was a real push for the playoffs. Uh, what we've heard um, for the last week or so from Joel Bouchard has suggested um, they're not as confident as they once were. And so there's been 
a lot of excuse making that that oh no we're switched to um, to uh, uh, prospect and, and it's not such a big deal if we don't make playoffs now I you know I don't I don't know what room or how the players are are taking that but but as you said it's very very tight um, between the uh, the Marlies and the, the Utica Comets there's five or six points and and um, that encompasses five teams so. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's plenty of names left, and uh, those teams change. And, and I think Laval should be very fortunate to, after going into quite a skid and winning one of ten, uh, that disastrous road trip. They should be feeling quite fortunate um, that they aren't uh, further out of the standings than they are. Um, but you know how how do they compete and and going into the season, it was thought that they would need um, some veteran uh, scoring help. Um, and, you know, Belzeal was a, an ECHL star and, and, and had worked his way um, into the AHL and, and was effective. He was injured. Uh, so the load was kind of shifted um, to uh, a Riley Barber, Phil Veroni, both established very good uh, AHLer, veteran AHLers, Matthew Pekka, who when he was in Syracuse uh, was very, very good at the, the AHL level as well. And, and fans may be critical of, you know, how they played when they were um, brought up to the um, NHL, but you can't, you can't um, question what they've done at the AHL level. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the difficulty is that um, trying to, put together a roster made, made up of veterans and, and uh, prospects some take some experience as a, as a, as a head coach and as a coaching staff, I, uh, let me broaden it. And there mm-hmm. just isn't that experience on the coaching staff to be able to deal with all the different types of personalities, the, the, the different levels, the different goals. Um, and um, you know, that was, that's, that's been a real difficulty, a real struggle for Joel Bouchard. And, and we see that uh, coming up to the trade deadline that Mark Bergevin had to step in and, and kind of bail out his, his, uh, his inexperienced coach and, and moved um, three of those veterans, three of those AHL veterans with, with very little coming back in return. But, uh, but that wasn't the point. It was more about, um, it was more about, freeing freeing up the the coach to be able to um you know not get embroiled in those kind of situations um and and it, it it's now um so <laughs> this is what you ask for you've got to deal with it um for the rest of the season and somehow uh, motivate that young group um to make the playoffs Absolutely. And so, so that means Phil Veroni gone, Riley Barber gone, Matthew Pekka gone. Um, and as you say, not replaced with the same caliber of experience or, or skill. Keep in mind, uh, you know, Phil Veroni uh, previously, just a couple of years ago was league MVP. Um, Riley Barber consistently a 30, 30 goal score uh, excelled when he played with Hershey these are not here's here's I'll just I'll just put this out there and and say what you will about Matthew Peck's performance at the NHL level at Rick I 
completely concur with what you just said. Absolutely. Uh, Matthew Pekka has the ability to be very effective in the American Hockey League. So I'm just going to say this. You have three guys who are very established, have had plenty of success in the American Hockey League, all playing together on the same team and the same line together of late. Is it just coincidental that all three of them struggled mightily this year? Have struggled mightily in the Montreal system? Seem to have lost a spark? Now, Veroni, I get he was out with injury for a little while, so that all, you have to factor that in as well. But that aside, then you get to the, let's not forget, Riley Barber and Phil Veroni for no reason whatsoever Healthy scratches a week ago Sunday in Providence, the end of that road trip, when they desperately needed a win, Joel Bouchard puts them in the press box, puts them in the stands for the night. Doesn't want to talk about why. But as things, you know, kind of come out in interviews in the days following, it sounds like it's a, you know, he's using that whole, that free agent terminology again. So I will leave it to our very intelligent listeners to figure out for themselves is it is it just sheer coincidence that these three big producers all got hit up against a wall in their career this year at the same time just coincidentally or is it something else within the organization that these three experienced veteran kinds of players had difficulty with adapting to and 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 prospering under that's all i'll say um uh, and just just to add on to that and and certainly as you said with verone he he hasn't had the uh productive season that he w- uh, would have liked and 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 injuries played into that um riley barber got a call up to the canadians and that kind of interrupted and 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 i think out of out of the three of them might have had the the biggest adjustment to the situation. He had been in a, a situation in Hershey that was comfortable and, and he understood. And this was very, very different for him. The organization, the culture, the coaching, everything was very difficult and he had a trouble kind of getting going. But Barber, um, when he was traded, um, was leading the the rocket in point um, points per 60 um, points mm-hmm. per game. Um, he was the top offensive player for the Laval Rocket. So he figured it out. He was productive, but somehow um, Joel Bouchard couldn't find a way to uh, to communicate with him, to use him, to motivate him, to um, to help him be a, a solid contributor. If it were one, if it were one instance, then I could buy into the difficult to coach kind of mentality three of them i'm putting my skeptics hat on today so we mentioned uh you know how difficult are things going to be for joel bouchard now well mark bergevin was and i mean i am let me say right now please if you don't already listen to the canadians connection podcast that's hosted by rick and joe whalen uh every saturday afternoon 1 p.m eastern live I highly recommend you do so this week because uh, there were so many things that need to be broken down about everything that Mark Bergevin did not do yesterday and need to be discussed about uh, what was said and what could be read between the lines in his 
really bizarre press conference that he had yesterday. Um, Joe and Rick will take care of you on Saturday, believe me. So make sure you're listening to that. But okay, Mark Bergevin makes a couple of small moves. All he does is stockpile more uh, uh, draft picks for this summer and next summer um, and doesn't really add anything. The only piece that he gets out of the whole lot of them is an ECHL player uh, in the trade for Pekka. So you've lost, <laughs> you've lost Pekka, Veroni, Barber. Um, the guys that came back in the Riley, Barber, and Phil Veroni tr- uh, trade were Joseph Blandizi and Jake Lucchini from Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And we're going to get into, uh, you know, uh, Nick's going to give us lots of great information on what to expect from these guys. Um, Blandizi plays literally like 11 minutes of the first period of his first game with Laval, and he goes out with an injury. And uh, according to reports, we don't know what the injury is. He could be out for weeks. So take that one off the board. Um, the team that I don't, again, we've, we've talked so many times about how, uh, vigorous I'll use, I'll, I'll put it nicely, how vigorous Joel Bouchard's, uh, practices are and how many times players get injured at his practices. Um, I don't believe it's anything serious, but both, according to Anthony Marcotte, both Charles Houdon and Josh Brooke both got hit in the mouth at practice this morning before they left for Belleville. Brooke was bleeding badly enough that he had to leave the ice and go to the dressing room for repairs. You know, not great. <laughs> not great. You kind of need Charles Houdon. <laughs> you, you, he's, he's like the one guy you got left that you know can put the puck in the net. Um, Jake Evans is back up in Montreal. I'd be surprised if you see him again in Laval for the rest of the year. Um, Antoine Waked, we're going to get into league suspensions here in a little bit, but you're out. Antoine Waked for tomorrow night's game in Belleville because he earned himself a suspension uh, in the game against Toronto on Saturday for an illegal check to the head. Carl Alsner is back up with Montreal. So the blue line decimated a little bit farther. So, I mean, it's just one hit after another. Now on the good news side, this morning with full contact jerseys on, Yev Flavs, Peltier and Juleson all practiced with the team. Uh, Juleson and Peltier, however, not ready to play. They did not go on this three-game road trip, but, but Yevslavs did. So Yevslavs should be back in the lineup. Um, Otto Leskinen and Joe Cox were both skating with non-contact jerseys today, but they also did make the trip. They're expected to possibly get back in the lineup uh, over the course of this next week. So, Rick, it's, um, it's getting a little thin. <laughs> in fact they had to, well they had to sign a new um they signed a, a PTO for um a defenseman who I believe played for the Moose last year uh he's uh, played mostly in the ECHL this year uh Justin Woods I believe his name is um so it's it's getting a little thin in Laval and you know if the, if they're really going to try to to shore up these points in the North Division it certainly uh isn't going to be a straightforward path for them to do that. And uh, just one more uh, bit of information about that trio that got shipped out because, uh, you know, um, uh, the coaching staff was having trouble with them. Um, 
I would just point to the kinds of coaches that these that these three players have had in the past. With oh, Veroni, you have Scott uh, Scott Gordon, um, excellent coach, um, and um, what is he sixth place now in the the number of of uh, on the all time list in the AHL? Um, I believe um, so. Yeah, number one. Just past Randy Pennyworth. Uh, Troy Mann for for Barber, um, who's an excellent coach and now with Belleville, and and you see what they're doing um, this year. And Matthew Peck in Syracuse, Benoit Gruel, another terrific coach. Uh, uh, Matthew Pecka, um, yes, he was traded uh, yesterday afternoon. He actually played last night uh, for the (laughs) Ottawa Senators um, and, uh, and scored a goal. So how about that? Oh. Not so bad after all. Oh, I think that's what you want. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's it's not going to be easy. Um, if there was not pressure before on the Houdons and the Kalkinyemis and the Kale Flurries and the Ryan Palings, there's going to be enormous pressure on them now and the Josh Brooks, I should say. Um, as you say, Joel Bouchard can't decide from day to day if the team is in development mode or if the team is in win at all costs to make the playoffs. Um, I think regardless of whichever one it is on any given day, the amount of pressure that now falls on the shoulders of the prospects is enormous. Uh, Caden Primo as well, for that matter, because uh, Keith Kincaid is obviously not part of the plan. Um, and they're not giving, they're not giving McNiven uh, much to sniff at as far as starts either. So while it, on one hand, sure, uh, if if Mark Bergevin wants to say the guys are going to play down there and they're going to play big minutes, well, that's exactly what they're going to do now. Um, let's just hope that they're in a good environment to do it. Um, and, and let's hope that the pressure isn't too much. Um, development's, a, development's a really delicate process and and every player needs to be developed differently and handled differently um and so some of them handle themselves well in a pressure cooker situation like this others don't respond to it very well um you know we look at uh, kale flurry has not looked like himself um since he's been sent back down now he was um the first one to score in that loss to Manitoba last Wednesday. And then for the next two games found himself on the third pairing. So I don't really quite understand that correlation, but okay. I'm sure there's an algorithm somewhere that would answer that. Um, But Kale Fleury has, has had his struggles since he's been sent down to Laval. Uh, Ryan Paling has also had his struggles uh, since coming back down. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's, going back and forth has been more difficult for him than some of the other players uh, this year or, or what it is. Um, but he's, it seems to take him some time to, to kind of get his footing underneath of him again, whenever he gets called up or sent down. So, um, you know, kokinemi has been uh, playing well. I think he has 10 assists now. Uh, hasn't scored a goal yet though. Um, so there are positives, but there's also some areas that obviously need work. And uh, the spotlight and the microscope is going to be on the entire team in a really big way uh, moving forward. 
Let, let me make a correction. No, Matthew Peckett did not score last night. Oh, okay. But he got an assist on Colin White's goal, uh, third period oh. goal. It was it was Ottawa and uh, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, uh, Blue Jackets won in in overtime, um, but must have been a, a tough day for Pekka. But uh, he got into the game, got an assist in the third period, um, which puts temporarily put. Uh, Ottawa up uh, 3-2 and then it was our dear friend Stefan Matteau um, Mm -hmm. recently called up from Cleveland um, and uh, he got the goal against the Flyers the other night Um, his first goal in four years in the NHL Um, but Stefan Matteau tied it up to send the game into into overtime. Uh, uh, Stefan Matteau has been great since his recall from Cleveland with Mm -hmm. uh, two goals and an assist in in uh, in three games, so good for him, um, and we like to to follow those prospects. Absolutely, we certainly do. Well, I think at that point we are going to take one quick break because on the other side of it, you do not want to miss this. We have our good friend Nick Hart, the broadcaster from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Uh, he'll be on with us right after this break, uh, and he's here to talk to us about that big trade that happened between the Penguins and the Canadians last week. So don't go anywhere. We will be back right after this from the press box is proud to be a partner of rocket sports media digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed engaged entertained and connected learn more about rsm its team and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com for all the latest news Interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, and joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget... Follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report. That's where you'll find all of the latest updates, game recaps, uh, exclusive videos, you name it, all there on Twitter at the AHL Report. So be sure you're following us and reach out and say hello. Right now, however, we are going to say hello to a good friend of ours and colleague, Nick Hart, who is the team broadcaster and media relations director for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, who joins us today uh, here on From the Press Box. Nick, how are you? And thanks for being here. Uh, I'm doing absolutely great, Amy Rick. It's an absolute pleasure to be making my uh, From the Press Box debut right now. Fired <laughs> up for it. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> that's the kind of enthusiasm we like. That's, that's fantastic. Exactly. Let's well, bring the energy. Let's go, right? <laughs> we can do that. You know, there was there was certainly a lot of buzz around the trade that the Penguins and Canadians made uh, last week, and certainly the Penguins uh, on the Penguin side seems to be quite excited about what you guys were getting on that side of the trade. Uh, just to recap for listeners, in case you have forgotten, Phil Veroni, Riley Barber shipped out of Laval, headed to Wilkes-Barre Scranton. 
to play with the Penguins. And in return, uh, Laval received Joseph Landisi and Jacob Lucchini. So I guess first question, Nick, for us is can you tell us a little bit about Landisi and Lucchini and just kind of give, uh, give our listeners an idea of what kind of players they are, what their potential is, and, and what kind of expectations we should have? Uh, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to tell you about these two players. Um, I mean, I know Joseph Landisi, unfortunately, got a little banged up there in his uh, rocket debut. And I, I mean, I guess we're all waiting around to, to hear when he'll be back. But whenever he does come back, you're going to find a player that, uh, you know, works really hard, mixes things up, really good below the goal line, fighting for pucks, even though he's not really a big gargantuan player. He doesn't tower over people at 6'4", 6'5", or anything like that. He's just a gigantic pest, huge pest, Joseph Landisi. His nickname is uh, Blender. That's what everyone's been calling him for a long time, and he lives up to that nickname with the way he just gnashes his teeth and uh, chews around for pucks. But he's not just uh, a grinder-type kind of guy. He has a little bit of skill to him, too. Um, when You can see some games he'll be a little bit more patient with the puck and start to wheel out from down low, up high, and start be looking around uh, – at his surroundings, seeing who he can find for a play on the back door, someone set up in the slot, something like that. He has good skill, a decent skill, a really good shot, too. Um, sometimes I'd like to see him use that shot a little bit more, at least when he was here in Wilkes-Barre Scranton, because there would be times where it seemed like he was totally primed to pick a corner, and then he would try that one extra pass, and the play would go by the wayside here or there. But he has the capability to finish, and he has the capability to play in the National Hockey League as well. Joseph Landisi, I think, is a – what he's turned into is a prototypical depth player. The Montreal Canadiens could call him up at any point, and he'd fit in really nicely in a team's bottom six as a guy that'll hunt for pucks and then maybe can chip in with some secondary offense. But then at the American Hockey League level, he's a top six guy. He has that offensive ability. He can play huge minutes on um, all all situations, shorthanded, power play, penalty kill, and he's a really good face-off guy as well. If you start to watch Joseph Blandisi, you start to see – the little ticks in his game. Mostly um, he's really good at winning face-offs with his feet. Just a weird thing where he'll tie up the opposing centerman, swing his body around, and then start kicking the puck around. You see him do it once and twice. You go, oh, well, that was kind of cute. But then he'll do it multiple times a game for games on end. And it's just like, well, I guess whatever works for you, Blender. But he's really good on draws, things like that. And that's the kind of player you can expect out of Joseph Blandisi whenever he's healthy. Jake Lucchini, I think that's the chip that really sold the Montreal Canadiens on making that trade with the Pittsburgh Penguins because he's the prospect in the deal. Riley Barber, Phil Verone, they are what they are. Joseph Landisi, he is what he is. Jacob Lucchini is just a first-year pro here, an undrafted player out of college that the Pittsburgh Penguins scooped up. And Pittsburgh loves, loves dipping into the college free agent pool to find talent. We've seen that uh, work out for them really well with their recent Stanley Cups in back-to-back years in 16 and 17. And now currently guys on their roster, Connor Sherry, Zach Aston Reese, they love the college free agents. Jake Lucchini, no exception. It's easy to see why they fell in love with him. He's so fast and open ice, pushes the place, pushes the pace, pardon me, and loves another guy who will give you 100% effort every single night. Now, he's not the biggest guy, a little bit smaller, and that holds him back from winning pucks in those board battles. Sometimes you see him go into corners against these grown men, guys that have been pro defensemen for a long time. They look at him, they just kind of, you know, shrug him off a little bit, but he's just going to get right back on his feet and get after it again. He's so tenacious, works so hard. He too has a pretty good shot, the ability to score. That's sort of 
come in waves with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. He'd go a long period of time without scoring or getting any points at all and then burst out and say maybe have four points in five games or five points in four games, things like that. So he was a little bit streaky here and there, but that's the prospect chip of that trade, a player with a little bit more potential. If he does reach his potential, probably in the NHL, he is once again a, a bottom six forward that a lot of speed and a lot of energy to an NHL lineup. It can probably blossom into a pretty consistent offensive contributor at the AHL level if he tracks in his, uh, his development. So, and now for the Penguins, who are, are locked in a dogfight with three other teams uh, for that last uh, playoff position, they get a bit of a boost here, not more, uh, maybe more than a bit of a boost. I think you called it on Twitter, this is the big one. They get uh, Barber, the 30-goal scorer from, from last season. They get Verone, uh, more of the playmaker, the former uh, AHL MVP. Um, the Penguins got to be pretty excited about this trade. Uh, the Penguins and their fans are very, very excited about this trade because guys like Barber and Veroni are absolutely exactly what the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins needed this season. They've uh, gone through their ups and downs like most teams throughout the season, but they've tried to lock down an identity, find out who they are. And Penguins captain David Wasowski pretty much saying around the new year is that we know we're not a skilled team. We're not a finesse team. We're not going to outscore teams. We can't play a run-and-gun game. So they've developed this blue-collar hard-working, intense style of play that Joseph Landisi and Jake Lucchini fit into quite nicely. But the fact of the matter was goal scoring had been an issue for this team ever since Stefan Nason got called up to Pittsburgh and was consequently claimed on waivers by the San Jose Sharks. This team, if you gave up one goal, they were going to win. Once they gave up two goals, all bets were off. You could have gone to overtime. Um, I mean, the Penguins among one of the most overtime and shootout uh, uh, privy teams in the league. Um, but it was just so hard for this team to consistently generate goals. A lot of low-scoring games, sometimes they were on the right side of that coin, sometimes they were on that wrong side of that coin. So bringing in Riley Barber, a bona fide sniper who had been victimizing the Penguins for years when he was with uh, the Hershey Bears just an hour down the road, and then Phil Verone similarly won that MVP when he was playing the Penguins 12 times a year with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. These are exactly what the Penguins needed because they needed scoring. Barber has that proven ability to score. Verone just seems to have that knack for putting his teammates in positions where they can uh, put the puck in the back of the net. It's just exactly what this team needed so far. Riley Barber's made an instant impact with this team uh, his first three games with Wilkes-Barre Scranton last weekend. I know he had to go through so much to actually travel to get to Wilkes-Barre Scranton, had to drive through a snowstorm and then play at three and three. But you could already see that he's a huge boost to this team in terms of creating space for himself and teammates and generating offense. Bill Verone, we haven't seen him yet because of some immigration visa issues, but I imagine it'll be the same. It'll be a huge boost down the middle to this Penguins team as well, who are now down a center, giving away Joseph Landisi in that trade. So you got to give to get sometimes. They give away some two uh, blue-collar, hard-working guys, but they get back the skill and goal scoring that this team so desperately needed as it's trying to make its playoff push. Well, I was just going to ask about, you, you mentioned uh, that those rivalries, those natural uh, Pennsylvania rivalries that, that uh, you have. And, and Barber, his first introduction, um, is, is, um, is, is hosting uh, when your team hosted uh, uh, the Hershey Bears, uh, seeing maybe uh, some of his friends on, on the other side. And then this weekend, um, that's going to be really interesting for for uh, Riley Barber to go back to a rink that um, he's very familiar with, um, but just uh, on the other side, 
in, in the opposing locker room. Um, has he, has he talked about that at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. It was one of the first things I had asked Riley about whenever he got here too, naturally. And uh, we both acknowledged that, yeah, Hershey had been to Laval earlier in the season. So we already kind of got that first game against the old team out of the way, but this was a completely different animal. He said it was like going through that, uh, that butterflies feeling all over again, because now He's on the other side of a gigantic rivalry. The, the Penguins and Hershey Bears have been at each other's throats since 1999. It's not too often you see a rivalry really sustain itself like that in the American Hockey League because of affiliation changes, relocations, things like that. It's been over two decades, and these two teams and their fan bases just flat out do not like one another. So Riley Barber gets acquired by the Penguins, and his very first game is against his old team in this rivalry setup with important points on the line and a playoff hunt. Uh, he said he absolutely loved it because he wants to play in important games and things like that. That's why you want to play hockey. It was an electric atmosphere at Mohegan Sun Arena, Casey Plaza for that game too. Um, I'm sure he's looking forward to getting back down to Giant Center for another big game this weekend and things like that. But I know Riley Barber was excited to play his old team and his introduction to the Penguins and also be playing for an organization that uh, he grew up admiring. Riley Barber, born in Washington, PA, grew up in the Lemieux Yager era, watched on from uh, Michigan, wherever his family ended up moving at one point, was the Pittsburgh Penguins actually beat the Detroit Red Wings in 2009 for the Stanley Cup. He was a big Penguins fan growing up, and he said it's a, it was a fantastic feeling to put that black and gold sweater over his head. So, you know, a fire's been lit inside the belly of Riley Barber for the last stretch of this season to not only play his old team so much, but also be playing for the organization that he admired as a kid. You know, the the Pennsylvania rivalry that, that exists between the Pens, the Phantoms, and and the Hershey Bears is 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 pretty unique in the AHL, particularly given given the close proximity and geography and just how intense those rivalries are. The odds of of the Penguins getting two guys who used to be big pieces <laughs> for your two biggest rivals, Phil Veroni playing for the Phantoms, Riley Barber for the Hershey Bears. A, I mean that's just that's just a, a an amazing. Uh, happenstance thing to ha- to have happen and it seems that uh penguins fans are certainly uh welcoming with open arms former enemies to uh home territory now you know it's funny you can go so many years so many games absolutely hating these guys and then the moment they come on your team it's like i always like that guy he's one of my all-time <laughs> favorites it's, it's funny how that always works in these rivalry situations but yeah i i think that only it, in a weird, twisted way, it really does make fans grow fond of you. You don't realize it, but then once you get them on their side, you know their scouting report already. You know what they bring to the table because they brought it against your team for so long, and that's why Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Penguins fans, uh, they were very sad to see Joseph Landisi and Jake Lucchini go, make no mistake about it, but they knew exactly what they were getting back. There were no unknowns in this trade. They said, that's the guy that won an MVP against us two years ago, and that's the other guy that always seemed to be scoring uh, against us when the Penguins and Hershey Bears got together in the case of uh, Veroni and the former and Barber and the latter. So, yeah, it is kind of funny that, you know, that, that this rivalry is so intense. And then next thing you know, two years later, they're both playing for you. It's funny how that works, but uh, I know Penguins fans are absolutely elated to have them on this side of the rivalry now. As one last question for you, Nick, this is probably the most important question of the day. It's very serious business. Ooh. Hit me. It's Fat Tuesday today. <laughs> and Rick kicked off today's show asking me, well, wait, what is it that you call it down there in Pennsylvania Dutch land? And I, of course, remarked that it's Fasnacht Day. 
here in Pennsylvania, at least down here in Allentown. Uh, And he mentioned that in the Polish tradition that he is accustomed to Punchki Day. And so I said, well, wait a minute. Our guest today comes from an area that has Pennsylvania Dutch and Polish influence. So the big question is, what do you call today and what are you eating today? Well, let me let me start by answering what I call today. And today has always been Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras. I've been sort of a culturally um, slid towards that direction. But yes, you're right. I come I come from an area where you know those those two sort of uh, cultural backgrounds are uh, constantly at the forefront. I had always known it the uh, the Pennsylvania Dutch way that you said before that this Polish. Uh, what did you say it was before, Rick? Punchki. It's a, a punchki, which is a, a soft uh, kind of donut, jelly-filled, some sort of sweet jelly, strawberry, apricot, something like that, and usually powdered. Um, yeah, they're called punchkis. I had never heard that before in my entire life, and I know my mom's <laughs> side of the family is very Polish. There's Polish Hill right in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and this is the first I'm hearing about it right now, so this is jarring. Well, I'm learning something today. Well. <laughs> Uh, see, yeah, you're from the press box. We can. We I know. Can. Yeah. <laughs> so your homework yeah, yeah, you now is to go up. ask, ask mom, ask the family, what's this Poonski business all about? I'm I'm going to have to exactly. I'm going to have to make some calls and send some texts as, as soon as we hang up on the phone here because you're blowing <laughs> my mind right now. <laughs> as soon as you well, said Polish, start- I was like, yeah, I'm going to be on top of this, and then you actually said it, and I was like, oh no, I don't know what this is. I don't know what that is. Well, and they it's not are delicious. They are delicious. And, and I Rick, believe it as, the way you described it. As with any true Polish word, it's punchki isn't spelled any way that any like anything like it sounds, right? It's no, like, it's um, <laughs> well the yeah different alphabet and whatnot, but the the spelling is the English spelling is P A C Z or Z for you guys uh, K I. Yeah. P-A- I knew there was going to be a Z in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> P-A-C-Z-K-I, is that? And you get Poonchki out of that. Well, that, that's what my mom said. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Nick, we want a I full report. I, I, will, a... I will have to get back with you guys at some point. We'll do some food reviews. <laughs> oh, that's, hey, that's good. That's, that'd be great. Uh, well, we certainly appreciate you taking some time out today to join us. Uh, this, uh, your your information was invaluable. Uh, really great uh, scouting reports. Um, good luck to to you guys as you uh, continue to to try to solidify that playoff position. Uh, and we'll certainly have you back on again soon. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. This was an absolute blast. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Fat Tuesday, and hey, an early happy Leap Day to you guys as well. I hope you'll be celebrating in style. Thanks a lot, That's Nick. right. We get one more day of celebrating this month. Thanks so much, Nick. No problem, guys. Have a good one. So the Punchki Fashnat debate treasure hunt, I guess, continues. We'll find out. We'll be sure to get some reporting. Um, <laughs> so I, I like. I want to try a Punchki now. I don't think I've ever had one either. So um, thanks again to, to Nick Hart for joining us today. Uh, great information for uh, Laval fans and uh, great to hear how um, Rick, I think the thing that really stood out for me in terms of the other side of that trade is hearing how much 
Penguins fans and, and the team itself appreciate getting guys like Barbara and Veroni, like we talked about in the first segment, that these are, as far as the AHL is concerned, these are elite players in the AHL. And for whatever reason, they were not used to their potential in Laval. And it sounds like uh, that's going to change pretty quickly for them. And, and that uh, means a lot to the players. They're, they're happy to get into, uh, particularly Barber right now, happy to get into mm-hmm. um, meaningful games, but also play meaningful roles. And so far, uh, Riley's been playing second line minutes, right wing, and, and uh, surely getting some special teams time as, as well. And, and in the middle of a playoff race and, and uh, being valued and, and also uh, playing for uh, the organization that you cheered for um, as a youngster, well, all of that all of that uh, can only mean positive things. And it's not a surprise that Riley Barber has just dove, in, uh, dove head first into that and, and is contributing already. Absolutely. We wish them both. We wish them both well. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how things progress for them and the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins as, uh, as they compete for that playoff position. Moving along now, we are going to talk about the AHL player of the week. Uh, this this time it comes from the Western Conference, from the San Diego Goals, and that would be a name, though, even though this is a Western Conference, I bet our listeners are going to be familiar with this name. Uh, and this week's CCM AHL Player of the Week is forward Maxime Comtois. Uh, and Comtois had five goals. In, <laughs> okay. this Five goals for seven points in four games last week, right? Three of those five goals, game-winning goals. So I would say that Maxime hmm. Comtois probably deserved to be player of the week this week. <laughs> um, and the San Diego- and bringing, the, bringing the goals into a playoff position. And um, right. the Sylvain Lefebvre coached um, San Diego goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, in playoff contention. Keeping in mind, too, that the goals did not start off well this season uh, last season they they were they were in the bottom of their division and this season in the first you know third almost half of the season they were again buried at the bottom of the pacific and they have put a string of wins together and are are now contenders uh so you know it's amazing what what can happen it, it, things can change um and obviously maxime comtois is has helped them with that uh over the past week so congratulations to him and to the san diego Gulls. And Sylvain Lefebvre. I should mention that there are some suspensions to make note of. Um, and I'm going to mention two of them because they directly relate to the Laval Rocket. Uh, we did mention already that Laval Rocket forward Antoine Waked will be suspended for tomorrow night's game in Belleville for an illegal check to the head of an opponent during last Saturday's game in Toronto. We told you about that one. The other one uh, was from the Friday night game when Manitoba was still playing in Laval uh, and it certainly uh, made the, made the rounds the uh, he, well, Ryan white, former Montreal Canadian, Ryan white um, was ejected from the game on Friday night when he put just an enormous bad right on the numbers hit on Evan McEnany against the end boards uh, on Friday night. McEnany went full force, head, face, you name it, right into the glass. It was a really nasty hit. Uh, Evan McEnany left the game, and and he's definitely uh, on the injury list right now. Ryan White got a five-minute boarding 
major for that and was ejected from the game. And he has also been suspended now for two games as a consequence of that boarding incident. So for fans who were wondering if Ryan White was going to see any more discipline for that hit on Evan McEnany, there's your answer. Two games for him. Uh, the AHL is going back outside next year. Uh, if you'll remember, uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and the Hershey Bears played an outdoor game uh, a year or two ago uh, at uh, Hershey Park Stadium. And next year, the AHL is going to go back outside. They've announced that there will be a Syracuse versus Utica game called the Empire State Classic, expected to bring 6,000 fans Um to the Griffiths Technology and Business Park in Rome, New York. And that's um, the site of a former Air Force base. And so this is the football stadium that is located on that campus. Um, And so it's going to be quite an event. Um, And the interesting thing is I, I, I invite people to go onto the AHL website and find the article about it because the logo that they've designed for this Empire State Classic, they, they have an article that completely breaks down what, you know, you look at a logo and it's like, okay, it's a nice looking logo, but they've actually incorporated an enormous amount of, of local history and, and nods to, to things of where the game is going to be played into the actual logo. Um, you know, there's a nod to the Air Force Base itself. There's a, a B-52 bomber that takes up the entire middle of the logo. Um, and from, you know, for a long time at that Air Force Base, uh, that's where B-52s were flown in and out of Rome, New York. Um, there is a retired B-52 on display at the current Griffiths property. Um, and so there's all sorts of things. There's just, there's a flying comet logo. There's, there's all sorts of symbolism in the logo. Um, and I think it's going to be a really, really interesting game for fans. It's going to take place next February. Uh, you won't want to miss this. The AHL uh, fans really turn out in droves for the AHL outdoor games. Um, and as they say, they're expecting to bring in about 16,000 fans. It's going to be quite the spectacle. And Utica Syracuse, that's another rivalry. Rick, you know that anytime that we have visited either Syracuse or Utica, there are plenty of uh you know it's not far they're they're only about an hour apart uh on the, on the highway and so that rivalry much like the Pennsylvania rivalry is easy for fans to really get uh, energized about so i think that's going to be a really 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 fun game and two franchises that don't like each other at all no. and <laughs> no, have haven't for some time <laughs> Uh, so these are this is this is a perfect pairing for uh, this outdoor game. And as you said, the the logo um, is very striking, particularly with the uh, the B fifty two spanning the entire logo. Mm-hmm. It looks great. It really does. Uh, so kudos to to the designers for the logo, and uh, stay tuned for more details because that's going to be a fun one. You won't want to miss that next February. Um, one other piece of news that uh, we thought we'd get to is. Uh, news that came out of the New York Rangers organization yesterday. Um, goaltending, we for a little while at, in Hartford with the Wolfpack, Igor Shosturkin uh, was the name of, of, of note for goaltending for Hartford. Um, and he has since been playing for the Rangers um, and has, has 
quickly become very beloved by the Rangers fans and so forth. And it was announced yesterday that uh, Shesterkin and fellow Russian forward Pavel Buchnevich were involved in a car accident in Brooklyn on Sunday night. Um, Rick, you even said this to me that, you know, John Davidson came out to make uh, for a press conference yesterday. Everybody thought he was going to talk about the trade deadline, which he eventually did, but first needed to make this announcement. Um, says uh, the report that I see says that the two 24 year olds initially declined to be taken to the hospital, but eventually were taken to New York Presbyterian. Mutnevich, um, although shaken up, no major injuries. Uh, so he's day to day. Igor Shesterkin, however, a non-displaced rib fracture. Uh, And so he is kind of week to week at this point. And Rick, that's, uh, you, you made a good point to me uh, before the show in mentioning that, you know, of course it's uh, recovery and getting back to playing shape is of course different for goaltenders than skaters, but particularly this type of injury, uh, a rib fracture is, as you, as you mentioned, is, probably going to be pretty challenging for a goaltender to to come back from uh, in any kind of quick manner absolutely not not only the the, the impacts but um, you know just the, the the breathing and with the the cage on and, and everything else it's um, it's a very difficult injury to it, it's a painful injury to recover from and, and it's going to take uh, several weeks but um, you know, Shesterkin has, has been great in the AHL, and and even if you go to the the leaders page and on on uh, the AHL site, he's still at the top with respect to save percentage and and um, uh, goals against, and and um, it it was it just an odd situation with with John Davidson coming out and 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 the Chris Kreider extension was almost an afterthought. At least it came mm-hmm. second in the announcement and the. Reporters were very shocked um, to hear about the car accident. Um, so, uh, you know, we wish uh, him a, 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 a very speedy recovery, and, and uh, um, he's, a, he's a very important player in that organization. Absolutely. Uh, since his call-up from Hartford on January 6th, uh, according to the report of the New York Post that I'm looking at, Shesterkin is one of only four goaltenders in league history to win at least nine of his first 10 NHL appearances and the first in New York Rangers franchise history to do so. So yes, very important piece of their puzzle. Uh, The accident for those who were wondering um, uh, allegedly what has, what happened was there was a sedan driving in front of them in Brooklyn that made an illegal U-turn in front of them and they couldn't stop in time. Um, So Unfortunate situation. Very fortunate that neither player was more seriously injured um, and uh, wishing speedy recovery to both of them. Um, scary for sure. Everything, every life, life can change in a flash. Uh, and so very scary for both of them, wishing them both well. Um, we will take one last quick break. This is a good place to take another uh, quick break. Uh, we'll, send you some brief messages on the other side of that. We'll just take a quick look uh, at how the standings are shaking out uh, across the league. And we'll let you know what coverage to expect with games, very important games coming up this week. So don't go anywhere. We will be back right after this. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at the AHL report. 
Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And just as a reminder, be sure you head over to Twitter, search for at the AHL Report, and make sure you're following us. Uh, It's the best place to get all of our exclusive coverage, uh, credentialed coverage and recaps of the Laval Rocket, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, uh, and all sorts of AHL-related news. Um, and speaking of the AHL, Rick, we should take a quick look. Uh, it is it is the last week in February, believe it or not. Uh, and so that means we have just about six weeks left in the regular season. And boy, the playoff races are heating up like nobody's business. Um, and, and it's tight. While, while the teams that are at the top of their divisions are pretty, for the most part, pretty well situated at the tops of their divisions, it's those, it's those middle, middle uh, division, like third, fourth, fifth, sixth place, really tight across the board. Uh, we talked in depth about the North Division um, and how close things are there, but uh, the other divisions are looking like they're equally competitive. Oh, for sure. And this time of the year, um, I think you mentioned it last week too, the AHL puts out their playoff primer um, where we have the magic number. Um, and if you have your oh, magnifying yeah. glass or use the magnifier <laughs> on your on your device, uh, you can actually figure it out. Um, a little bit too early to, to start talking about that, but uh, no matter wh- where you look, which division um, – all of the, the, the playoff races are very, very, very close. They really are. Um, and as we said, uh, you even mentioned to, to Nick Hart that Wilkes-Barre's Granton is, is tied with Springfield just two points out of that fourth place position against the Charlotte Checkers uh, in the Atlantic Division. It's the Hershey Bears who are leading the Atlantic, but the Hartford Wolfpack is only one point behind them. Uh, and and then Providence, the Bruins are only uh, three points behind the Wolfpack. So there's only a, a four-point spread that separates uh, the top three positions in the Atlantic Division, and it's pretty tight uh, down until you get to the Phantoms and the Sound Tigers who are, who are uh, a little bit, 
well, they're the two teams in the Atlantic division who are playing under a 500 uh, winning percentage um, in and the North. The Bills- I was just going to say, and when you're, we talked last week about how um, the trade deadline can uh, affect um, these playoff races. And just to pick out one example, we saw the trade uh, between New Jersey and the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, which brought Sammy Vatanen mm-hmm. uh, to uh, the Hurricanes looking for a defenseman and um, sent Charlotte Checkers' top scorer um, in Yanni Kwakanen, um to Binghamton. So all of a sudden, Charlotte, who is holding that fourth playoff spot right now um, in the Atlantic Division, it is, is without their top scorer. And all of a sudden, Binghamton, who's in fifth place uh, and just a couple of points behind Syracuse in the north, they get an injection of offense. Um, and so we'll see how that plays out. But um, as we said before, and th- there's other there's other uh, moves that were made uh, that have prospect components and and players in the AHL um, that it can really affect the the playoff races, uh, the moves made on trade deadline day. Absolutely, uh, and and we should mention, I mean, Belleville and Ottawa. Uh, we're not shy about stocking up and really trying to solidify that top place in the North division. Uh, You know, they've got a seven point lead on, on Rochester who's in second place, but you know, yesterday uh, they added uh, Nick Baptiste got traded from, from Toronto. uh, And so he, Nick Baptiste now with the Belleville senators um, it's, they're doing they're doing the right things uh, that that's for sure and and as you say other teams are kind of stocking the store getting ready for the playoff push which is why it was kind of significant for us to talk so much in the first segment about how how much Laval did not get uh, a lot of help uh, in in this quasi in this playoff race that they're trying to compete in uh, not only did they not get much in the way of help but they actually had pieces taken away so um, that's a big implication for Laval particularly when you look at how other teams reacted as well Uh, in the central division Milwaukee uh, is leading with 81 points there the Iowa Wild are 74 points so uh, back behind them by by about seven points um, but then it gets really tight through the Grand Rapids Griffins, the Chicago Wolves, the Rockford Ice Hogs. Uh, only about four points separate those teams. And as we mentioned, the Pacific Division, the San Diego Gulls are sitting in that fourth position, uh, that playoff spot with 59 points. They're only six points out of first place in the Pacific, which is a tie at 65 Stockton Heat and the Tucson Roadrunners. So, Rick, I think things could really get shaken up in the Pacific Division coming down the stretch here. Oh, for sure. And, and in addition to, to players that were traded, uh, there's going to be um, recalls, although, um, you know, we saw a lot of paper transactions in order to get players on the, the AHL playoff roster uh, yesterday. Um, but it's, it's going to be a fascinating um, um, race in, in each one of the divisions. And, and certainly the AHL is a, is a, a fun league to cover at, at this time of the year particularly because it's it's so tight. Absolutely, and it's it's only going to get more exciting uh as as we close out through March uh and really get into some serious business. So this week, uh there are plenty of playoff implications in play, particularly for the Laval Rocket. 
as we said, they're just a few points out of a playoff position and they're playing against all. So they're going back out on the road. We know how their last couple of road trips went. Not so well. Um, and yet again, they're back out on the road three games this week and again, all against division rivals. So they're playing in Belleville tomorrow night. They play in Rochester on Friday night and then they play in Utica on Saturday night. These Rick, these are must win games for Laval. This is going to be the real test of what is going to happen going forward. I mean, this, this is one of those weeks that can make or break things. Um, can they keep that momentum that they had at home with those two wins they picked up on Friday and Saturday? Can they carry that into this road trip and actually gain some ground on some divisional opponents? Or is it going to be Washer and repeat of the last two road trips against divisional opponents where they're just going to find themselves taking one step forward and three or four steps back? It's going to be an interesting yeah. week. This is another five-game um road trip with the three games you mentioned to end in February and then the first two games in Cleveland uh, for, for March. And they cannot afford to go anywhere uh, to play anywhere like they did uh, uh, the last five game road trip. No, they certainly cannot. Uh, we, of course, will keep you apprised. I'll have uh, live game uh, tweets and updates as well as post-game recaps for all three of those games this week. That's Wednesday at Belleville, Friday at Rochester, Saturday at Utica. Uh, on the flip side of things, as I mentioned before, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms play two games at home this week. Uh, they're both against the Charlotte Checkers on Friday and Saturday night. Um, and those are important, even though Lehigh Valley is is – pretty far down the list and and they're they've got a lot of ground to make up if they put some pieces together now there's still a possibility that they and you know keeping in mind the the teams in front of them would have to start losing as well but charlotte's a divisional rival as well for lehigh valley so if they can get those two wins on home ice against a division opponent things could start looking up for the lehigh valley phantoms as well so it's going to be an exciting week rick I don't know that ne- I, I, you know, next Tuesday when we're back, it's the first Tuesday in March, but I don't know that we, I mean, how do we top pancake punchki fashnat day? And last, last week was, was cherry pie, national cherry pie day, but uh, oh, there'll, that's be, there'll right. be something, yeah, there'll be something next week. I'm sure. That did we'll you, be. did you get your cherry pie? Mm, and it was so good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Cause you know that that's, the only official cherry pie day. You're done now until next February. You, you no, know that, right? There, there has to be other ways of using <laughs> You'll finagle it somehow. <laughs> well, we certainly hope all of you uh, have an enjoyable remainder of your day today, however you're celebrating today. Uh, and we thank you for joining us here. Uh, don't forget, follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report. You can find Rick at All Habs. You can find me at Flyers Rule. Uh, and Rick, if uh, we mentioned, of course, not only people, we appreciate that they come and listen to From the Press Box, but we also mentioned that they are going to want to tune in to Canadians Connection on Saturday. How, what's the best way for people to go and find our podcasts here at Rocket Sports Media? Well, you can certainly find them on on the websites, uh, that being ahl.report, allhabs.net, uh, for either the um, from the press box or uh, from the Canadians Connection. But the uh, an, another way is uh, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, 
um, Google Stitcher, um, Google Play, that is, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, any of those. Just search for Rocket Sports Radio, Rocket Sports Radio, and you'll get all of the podcasts. Uh, subscribe, and, um, and our podcasts are, are uh, produced and hosted by credential hockey journalists. They are, we are the one source that you can trust. Um, and uh, we're happy to um, uh, produce the content for you. So make sure you take advantage, tell your friends, subscribe, um, like, and, um, and uh, continue to give us feedback. Absolutely. And speaking of feedback, make sure when whatever platform you listen to your podcast on, could you do us a favor? We want to make sure that our voices reach uh, as far as they possibly can. And we want all of the hockey fans out there who enjoy the the American Hockey League, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, Philadelphia Flyers, Montreal Canadiens, Laval Rocket, you name it. We want to make sure that we're reaching all of them. So the best way that you can help us do that is make sure that you not only subscribe, but you also like the podcast on your favorite podcast platform and uh, leave a comment, leave a review, tell, tell everyone else how much you enjoy listening to from the press box here at the AHL report. And that just helps us become even more discoverable uh, in those podcast searches for people who are saying, you know, I just really want a new hockey podcast to listen to. Well, we want them to come here. So uh, thank you so much for your support. We, uh, we appreciate all of our listeners and our readers and our followers, and we will appreciate getting together with you right here again next Tuesday on From the Press Box. Rick, you enjoy the rest of your week. Now that the dust has settled from the trade deadline, maybe we can all take a breather before uh, – oh, wait. Is there a hockey game tonight? There is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Vancouver Canucks are in town for to uh, visit the Montreal Canadiens tonight. <laughs> Ah, the hockey world just keeps on going. So we will keep you in, uh, in touch and in tune with everything happening this week. And we'll see you back here again next Tuesday, right here on From the Press Box. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care. And keep on wishing. Remember your dream is your only scheme. So keep on pushing. 